take notice of what you are feeling. Um, you know, we all experience emotions throughout the day, whether it's joy, anxiety, fear, happiness, excitement. There's, there's a whole variety of feelings we have. But we don't spend enough time really understanding why we have those feelings. So let's try to use an example. If I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling unsettled, I'm uncomfortable, I've got to start asking myself the question, what is going on? What are the thoughts that are leading to this emotion? If I can understand the cause of those emotions, I can then better manage those emotions. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through it. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. So Colin is a clinical psychologist for over 25 years. And today we are going to talk about emotional intelligence and emotional resilience. So when you have been climbing the mountain of life and you're caught in a metaphorical avalanche that slides you to the bottom, how do you decide to climb an alternative peak? All those emotions that play into that decision are what we're going to talk about today. So Colin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jamie. It's great to be with you this morning. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. And you live around Utah area, correct? I do. Yes, I do. Have been for five years now. Wonderful. It's it's getting kind of cold up there. I know because my I heard from my mom this morning. She lives up in Park City, and she sent a text saying that it was like 35 degrees. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm quite excited because I I love it when ski season comes around. I'm a South African that is now recently addicted to skiing. So I, uh, I'm very happy that it's getting colder, I must be honest. Yeah, I'm pretty excited as well. I actually am going to see a TGR uh, ski and snowboard film at Red Butte Gardens today with some friends. And it's like intro of ski season. So it's so exciting. And my fiance, he was saying, he was like, it's football season. It's football season. It's so exciting. <laughs> and he's not a huge football fan. And he's like, he goes to my mom. He's like, do you know why I'm excited? It's football season. And she goes, because it's almost snowboard season. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, that's why I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's a fun time. I think being in Utah at this time of year is always exciting because we do have the greatest snow on earth, don't we? We do have great snow. So would you like to tell us a little bit more of a history of what you've been doing and how psychology plays into that? Sure. Thanks, Jamie. So, so yeah, you were correct in saying about 25 years ago, maybe 26 now, I started off in private practice as a clinical psychologist and at a young age realized that I want to do far more than just you know, seeing people on the couch and helping people with their depression or their anxiety. And so about 20 years ago, I started getting involved in people development and training and helping people learn skills and helping people deal with stress and 
helping people to um, become more emotionally smarter and more emotionally resilient. And that sort of spilled over into training companies and leaders of companies and teams within businesses. And so basically, my, my career has taken on a lot of different facets where I got involved in working with sports um, people and helping them overcome performance anxiety. I've got involved in helping um, relationships and helping people to overcome challenges in their relationships. I've got involved in dealing with racial discrimination, dealing with um, all sorts of aspects of the mind, the emotions, and people development. So that's kind of a, a very quick overview of my, my career for the last quarter of a century. Nice. Yeah, because I firmly believe from my experience and what I've been introduced to that your mind controls so much about the outcomes you receive. There's a wonderful saying, um, whatever you think becomes a reality. Whatever you are focusing on becomes real. And whether it's positive or negative, um, whatever your mind is giving much attention to, that is what you become. And so basically it does control everything. You're absolutely right. Yeah, because in my recovery from a traumatic brain injury, um, in case you're tuning in for the first time, I in 2015, I crashed and I went into a coma paralyzed. And a huge part of my recovery was the fact that my mom had psychology training. And when she arrived, she understood some strategies and steps to help me come back. And one of those, you believe it, you become it type things, <laughs> kind sure. of a funny, funny joke about it is that when I, so I was on all different floors. So first I was at Vancouver General Hospital in Whistler, mm -hmm. Canada. And mm -hmm. then I was at Intermountain in Murray, Salt Lake City. And yeah. I went up the different floors. Um, and then my mind didn't come back until I was on the 12th floor of the hospital in inpatient rehab in the hospital. Okay. And when my mind came back, I refused to believe that I was in a hospital. Like <laughs> I did not believe it because I had pictures all over my walls, which I did. I had a hammock in my room, which I did. And I would tell the nurses when they would ask me where I was and I would say I'm in a movie about a hospital that <laughs> I could prove it to them because when they poked me with the needles, it didn't hurt. Wow. And they're like, how, how do we tell this patient it doesn't hurt when we poke her with the needles because she's paralyzed on that <laughs> side of the body. And so I just like firmly, so I, I had a lot of cognition tr challenges at that time. Yeah. Um, and, but part of that, it was just innate in me, did not want to believe I was in the hospital because old people or sick people go to the hospital. So I knew that I was going to be okay. So throughout yeah. my whole recovery process, like my fatality report was written when I was airlifted to the hospital. And yeah. as soon as my mind came back, I knew that I was going to be okay. And that is why I became okay in a large part. That is so powerful. You know, I, I've got so many stories about people who just did the same thing. And, and you're a wonderful example of that. But how they just decided that I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to give up. I am going to overcome this and I'm going to be okay. And, um, you know, there was this interesting story of a, uh, a guy that I've just forgotten his name right now, but a guy that 
either still holds or used to hold the field goal um, kicking record for American football. And apparently the guy that held the record only has half a foot. And, um, and he was always told as, as a young boy, you would never become a kicker because you don't have a complete foot. And um, he decided not to believe that. And he just kept training and training. And eventually he broke the record and, and held the record for a while. And somebody asked him, how did you do this with only half a foot? He said, well, I just never believed I couldn't. I always believed I could, um, despite what anybody wants to say. I, I just believed I could do it. And um, we, we limit ourselves in our thoughts, don't we? And you overcame a, a huge mountain, or you climbed a huge mountain, which most people would have just said, surely she should have just given up. You know, Surely she should have just decided, hey, this is too much. But you certainly didn't do that. So it's an amazing example. Well, thank you. And that's one of the big things that we talk about in Mo Crazy Strong is when you're climbing a mountain and you get caught in a metaphorical avalanche, you have two choices. When you're at the bottom of the mountain, you can either stay there and blame all your deficits on the trauma you experienced because it was a big trauma or you can choose to climb an alternative peak. And so mindset plays a huge role in choosing to climb an alternative peak and for the resilience of it is it's gonna be a a roller coaster it's a bumpy ride up you know sometimes it's if you just think about climbing a path sometimes it's going to be dark and cold and rocky and sometimes there's going to be beautiful views and in order to just keep going throughout that whole process is a building of resilience Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, resilience is such an important topic because why is it that some people um, can deal with anything and others fall apart whenever there's a little bit of resistance? Why is it that some people just seem to deal with life's challenges in a very positive, constructive way, whereas others always find something wrong or they, they just can't see a solution? For me, it's, it's a lot about perspective And I think that's the one word that I have found through my practice to be the most important key factor in emotional resilience is how are we looking at the situation? What is our perspective? Um, Is the charging chihuahua a Rottweiler or is it just a little dog that can't hurt me? It's really how we're looking at the problem and how much confidence do we have in our ability to, to overcome these challenges? Um, I, I find a lot of sports people like yourself who have achieved at a very high level have a huge amount of confidence and inner strength because they, they've had to overcome so many difficult days of you know, failing, um, poor performance, um, not quite getting the, uh, the, the tricks right or the, the style or the whatever, or my fitness isn't quite there. <clears throat> and so basically – Sports people seem to be far more resilient than the average person because they've had to work really hard to get to where they've got to. But coming back to that word of perspective, if I can just see things in a way that I can see a solution and I can just see things which give me confidence to overcome this problem, I can be extremely resilient and emotionally tough. Um, So it's all about how we're looking at the world around us and how we view the challenge. Yeah. And I agree with what you just said about 
um, going into sports and all different levels. But if you are used to failing a lot as a child, it teaches you amazing things. Because like when I was a child and I would fail multiple times, it wasn't my parents saying, no, you couldn't do it. And that was the failure. It was coaches. It was the activity. It was me unable to do it. So like when I wanted to learn back handsprings for the first time on the floor, I was like six to seven years old and I was trying to do it. And I would try and try and try until I figured out how to do it. And that's one of the things that's so wonderful about sports, which is why I want to put my kids into them is regardless of what if you become a professional athlete or not, just having that opportunity as a child to have to try things and want things and fail at them and figure out how to get over that failure and learn from it is huge. I think every kid, um, and this is also a personal view, but every kid needs to do something. Um, Even if they're not inclined towards sports, um, even if it's playing chess or if it's playing something else, uh, do something which is going to teach you the principle of hard work, failure, overcoming failure, trying again until you get it right. Because if you can learn that principle in life, I believe there's a strong connection to emotional resilience. Um, If you learn how to fight through it, tough it out, and eventually get to a point where you actually are mastering that situation, you can deal with a lot of life's problems and um, such an important life skill for all kids, in my opinion. So what would you say, it seems to me that being resilient is a positive thing and it's very close to being stubborn about some things (laughs) that you might not need to be stubborn about. Uh, And so what do you think is the difference between resilience and stubborn? Well, that's a, a wonderful question. And, um, you know, people, people can be stubborn in different ways. Um, we can be stubborn in not taking advice, and I think that's, that's not a good thing. Right. We can be stubborn in, in not um, learning from our mistakes, and that's a negative thing. But the type of stubbornness I believe you're talking about is I'm not going to give up. Don't tell me I can't. Don't put restrictions on me. Don't, I'm going to be stubborn enough for, for, to say to you, you can't tell me I can't do this. I am going to do this. And so that kind of stubbornness, I think, is a, is a positive stubbornness. Um, and that is closely connected to resilience. So there are two different forms of being stubborn. Um, and the one you're speaking about is I'm not going to put limitations on myself. I'm going to be stubborn enough to overcome everything you throw at me. Is that kind of what you are, what you are meaning? I love that you brought up there's two different ways of stubborn because yeah. there is the like, I'm going to get through it. Don't put limitations on me, which yeah. is a positive. And I love how you brought up on the negative side. It's not learning from your mistakes. Exactly. So if you do make a failure, because I've made so many failures and you always try to learn from what you did. And even if it's not a, like a full on failure, um, for example, I'm running Mo Crazy Strong is running their Mo Crazy Miracles. Um, and it's a weekend activity partnered with the National Ability Center okay. in Park City, Utah for brain injury survivors and caregivers on October 2nd and 3rd. 
And okay. yesterday was the end of our registration day. And on Friday, I had been on PCTV and ABC4. And I basically marketed this whole event in about five days. So wow. it wasn't very long. And we don't have lots of people who are doing it. We are going to hold the event and we have enough people to hold the event. But it's not the number that we wanted it to be. So it's not a full on failure. However, there's aspects of it that I feel is a failure of it. And so what you're suggesting is to make sure you don't stay stubborn. What uh, In the negative form is some people might say, okay, we're not going to do it again, or it's fine the way it is. Be like, okay, why did why are there less people? Okay, well, one of the big things we realized was like linking the ticket registration to the website so you can buy tickets from the Mo Crazy Strong website. Yeah. We didn't have that possibility. Another thing is to make sure that you market um, it was just such a rush. We think that if we had had a couple of weeks uh, after my TV appearances before registration ended, that would have helped. So, so learn, analyze everything you do and see how you can make it stronger in the future. So maybe we can, um, we can say there's positively stubborn and negatively stubborn. And if you're positively stubborn, then that's a good thing. If you're negatively stubborn, then that's obviously a self-destructive thing. But th there's another aspect of um, emotional resilience that I wanted to to quickly introduce, which I'm sure you'll have a perspective on, and that is <clears throat> the emotion of fear. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, what do we do with fear? Because fear is a very um, natural and normal emotion, right? I mean, how often have you felt fear? You have a, you know, you're about to do a, a double flip. You're about to do something which is dangerous you're about to do something which is risky everybody's going to feel fear right but the people that are emotionally resilient are the ones that decide that it's okay that i'm afraid but i'm going to face my fear and i'm going to go for it whereas you get other people who um, feel the fear and become paralyzed by it they become overwhelmed by the fear because their mind starts to get caught up in all the neg negativity of what if it goes wrong? I'm going to get hurt. What if I can't? What if I embarrass myself? What if I, what if I fail? And that's where you become um, less emotionally resilient because you give into that fear. The people that are emotionally smart and resilient say, I feel the fear. I see you. I recognize you for what you are, but I'm going to face you head on. And I'm going to just go for it. And that's an important differentiator as well. Yes, I, I, that's amazing you brought up because one of the things um, I always end my speeches with is this airhead, because in case you didn't know, I'm a medically certified airhead because when they drilled <laughs> the bolt in, <laughs> they found out I'm a medically certified airhead. So this medically certified airhead is going to teach you the three steps to be successful and achieve what you want to do. And the first is to choose your direction. So yeah. to think of what you're going to do. So we'll use the example of double backflip. Okay, I'm at the top of the course. I'm going to do a double backflip on this run. Yeah. And so then the next thing to do is to prepare your body, calm your mind down, take breaths. And preparing your body goes into multiple things, like the food intake choices that you make during the day. Yeah. Um, you know, whether you're at the top of the mountain and you're highly intoxicated or you're completely sober and you had nutrition makes a huge difference on the performance you're going to create. 
Yeah. And then the third step is to commit to action. And as you pointed out, that's what a lot of people have trouble with is going from having the idea to actually committing to it. And fear is beyond just athletic. So the double backflip, it might be that you really need to talk to your boss about something and you know, you need to do that and you want to, and you never send that email. So that paralyzing fear does not have to just be putting your body at risk. It could be putting your reputation. It could be anything that makes you feel uncomfortable because you're not sure what's going to happen after, but committing to that action is so important. It is so important, and it's also um, knowing that you can deal with whatever consequence um, may come about that action failing. And, I mean, I, your example was probably one of the most extreme examples of, I'm going to do this double backflip. Um, I, I know there's a danger. I know there's, there's a risk, but I'm going to do it. And, and when you did it, unfortunately, it caused an injury, you landed it, <clears throat> but the edge took you out and you caused an injury, but you dealt with the consequence. The consequence was, was life-threatening, but you toughed it out, you worked through it, and here you are today I'm having overcome all those things. Yeah, and that's actually – that aspect of it was one of the most challenging things for me and took years because yeah. in my mind before my accident – I, whenever I was making the decision to do anything, I knew if I had put in the time and preparation and the training, I, I could do it. That was kind of how my mind f- worked yeah. um, to, to overcome the, the if I failed. And then with this one, I had been doing a d- double flips for two years and yeah. it seemed like I was ready to do it. And it's just a, it's, it's incredible because mine happened to be on the double flip and I happened to be the first woman in the world to do a double flip. So it was a big, big thing. However, five years ago, there was an athlete in Park City and he could do double flips, multiple double flips. And when he was in Australia, he caught an edge on a 360 and went into a coma which he never woke up from. Oh, man. And so it's possible at any stage of your life for things to happen. You know, you can get get into the car today. And most of the time, we don't really analyze getting into the car and the, the, the failure that could happen from getting into a car. And it happens to people. So for me, it was so hard. It took me multiple years because of that big... I made the decision, I committed, I took action, and then my failure was so big and so life-changing that I became scared to take action again on things I didn't know the outcome of. It played into different roles in my life, and one of the big things that was challenging is for my career, my alternative peak was this motivational speaking, this yeah. keynote speaking and resiliency company that I was building. Yeah. And I was scared to fully commit to it because what if I failed again? And so that was a big challenge for me. And it, it took, it actually kind of took the COVID kick in the butt to like a hundred percent commit now for like a, a year and a half, two years, uh, I've been 
fully committed to more crazy strong and it's it's growing and it's being fantastic um but just that concept that you have to feel comfortable like you're saying committing to something and failing and understanding how to overcome the failure but look at the look at the consequence of of that experience um let's say you had landed it and and didn't get and didn't catch an edge and you safely completed the um you know the the whole the whole thing you would not be doing what you're doing now you would not be in this new business in this new sort of life direction and a lot of athletes and I, I was a athlete as well you know you you get to the end of your career um and what do you do then um do you go into coaching or training or do you go into selling sports equipment what do you do and so your life took a very different turn and it's going to be probably more successful than you were originally even though you were successful at that time um and what a what a blessing that is although it was so hard to get through and so difficult to overcome you are now taking a different course which will actually be 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 amazing had you landed it cleanly and there was no issues uh we wouldn't be here today well i i do agree with you and i do sometimes have to remind myself the things i agree about um but so what if if someone's listening and they're like wow like I think I could have resilience but I'm not sure. Do you have any words of wisdom on ways people can work on their own resilience tomorrow or today? So absolutely. So <clears throat> um there are basically four things that I would like listeners to think about. The first step is take notice of what you are feeling. Um you know we all experience emotions throughout the day whether it's joy anxiety fear happiness excitement there's there's a whole variety of feelings we have but we don't spend enough time really understanding why we have those feelings so let's try use an example if i'm feeling anxious if i'm feeling unsettled i'm uncomfortable i've got to start asking myself the question what is going on what are the thoughts that are leading to this emotion If I can understand the cause of those emotions, I can then better manage those emotions. So that's step number 2. Now that I know what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it, what am I going to do about that? How am I going to confront that thing or that person or that situation that is causing me anxiety, that is causing me fear? If I never identify that and I just ignore it, I'm just going to continue to feel anxious the whole day and nothing gets done about it. So that's step 1 and 2 is identify and then do do something about that emotion address it head on. Then to really raise your emotional resilience and intelligence to a higher level take notice of what other people are feeling and experiencing. So that's now going out beyond yourself, extending beyond yourself. What are they feeling and why are they feeling that? And then that's sort of question number 3 and then the last one number 4 is what can i do to assist that person in managing that emotion so for me emotionally smart and resilient people are ones who know why they feel what they feel and they do something constructive 
they also take it further and are discerning and notice what other people are feeling. And they actually help constructively deal with that. So that's something you can do immediately. Just focus on those four things. And um, there's so much more to it, but that's a, a simple place to start. And you mentioned there's so much more to it. Um, do you work with individuals or just companies? I work with individuals and, yeah, both, so, and companies. So how would an individual reach out to you if they'd like to do more work? They just simply email me, phone me, um, and I would gladly help them to develop their um, emotional resilience. Amazing. So we're reaching the end of our time. This has been so much fun to talk with you. Do you have any last words to leave the audience with? Well, I think, I think the important point is um, we can all learn to be emotionally smarter. Um, we don't have to give in to being emotionally crippled or fearful or lacking in confidence. We can all learn the skill. And it's all about that perspective once again. If you can improve your perspective, challenge your perspective, and maybe rethink your perspective, you can pretty much overcome anything. We, we weren't designed to fail is my, my other m mantra. We were all designed to succeed. We were all designed to be successful. We just need to learn how to do it. And, uh, and that's, that's the last bit of advice I have. Well, thank you so much for joining and I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, Jamie. Keep well.